Happy Wednesday, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Airport Minute, where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of the greatest disaster movie ever made, the 1970 Universal Pictures movie, Airport. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. I'm uh, host number two, Mark Cerulli, sitting here in an undisclosed bunker in California, and we are joined today by Hal Bryan of the Experimental Aircraft Association. Thank you for coming back to the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. I appreciate being asked back. This is, I had so much fun the other two times that I couldn't resist. <laughs> <laughs> we've got, we've got a whole bunch of technical things to go over and you are our go-to guy for this. Uh, <laughs> right now, where, where we left off as previously, previously on airport, uh, we watched them, uh, uh fire up, uh, the 707 that, uh, flight 10, flight 10. Is, oh, I'm sorry. This is flight 45, uh, that's, that's sitting out there on uh, runway two niner. And uh, Joe's done all he's got time to do. He's put in the 10-degree incline, and he's put in all those... Uh, Fired up a stogie. Yeah. He had time for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got that going. And uh, he's 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 all ready to, to, to roll it up. He get, he moves... Uh, they move that APU truck out of the way at the beginning there. He's he, he's about to crank up... I think he's got it all... Yeah, he's got, he's got all the... Uh, he, he's got all the uh, uh, engines running. Good. I just have to ask. What's an APU truck? It had like a generator on the back? Right. So that's an auxiliary power unit. Now, a lot of airliners now, if you look closely, like at a 747 or 777 or something like that, you've got your two two or four main engines under the wings, just like the 707 here. But if you look around, usually in the tail of the airplane, below the vertical stabilizer and the rudder, you'll notice there's actually a little tiny jet engine back there. And that's what you'll hear running uh, when you're sitting in the airliner on the ground and you hear kind of a hum. You're waiting for them to start the engines to really get going. But the airplane has electrical power and air conditioning and things like that. Mm So simply put, it's a tiny jet engine that can run all the systems uh, before you start the real engines. Oh, and uh, well, I have another crazy aeronautical question as long as we're – sometimes you see like a a, a guy. He's got like a headset and it looks like it's plugged into the fuselage. Oh, you know, sure. Walking, what is that? I've always so, wondered about that. That would just that would be a maintenance person, a ground crew of okay. some kind, and he's just plugged in there to talk directly, basically over the intercom to the the flight crew or maybe somebody in the cabin. Okay. So they're talking uh, without having sort of broadcast over a radio or try to transmit on a walkie-talkie. So they'll just plug right in. I, just like you know, I'm sitting here with a headset on. Maybe you guys have headsets as well. You know, we're talking directly. We're not transmitting this at this point. It would be the same sort of thing. Thank you for that. That's 30 years of uh, a question answered. Thank you. Well, I feel like we've made a real breakthrough here tonight. We have, and I'm done. Good night, everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, with that, I'm out, Jerry. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Uh, I was going to say very quickly, too, we talked about the APU to finish that thought. So now you'll see them actually sort of on board the airplane, but uh, in the earlier days of jet airliners, um, case like with the 707, you know, sort of the first really big prominent U.S. jet airliner, um, they would have been on a truck like that. And sometimes one thing I've never quite been clear on, and, and I'm sure somebody out there listening can come in and clear me up on this. Um, sometimes you'll see the ones on that are on the ground that aren't part of the airplane. They'll call those a GPU, which is a ground power unit. Uh, in this case, you know, it's an APU truck. So it's got the engine on it and we, we connect up, we power up, then it leaves once the airplane's engines are going. But I don't know if APU and GPU, if they're on the ground, if they're used interchangeably, if there's a subtle difference. So, uh, somebody Google that real quick and then send us an email and, and sound smarter than all of us. We'll watch it on the, uh, 
on the Commanders Club as soon as this uh, episode airs. Uh, that's another, and I I think I may be wrong about this, but if the APU is out on a lot of jets nowadays, that's not a deal breaker for taking off, from what I understand. I, that there's a lot of planes right. flying around with broken APUs. So I, I I can't speak to you know how many of them are out there and and uh, you know with a broken APU, but it is something that as long as you've got some form of auxiliary power. Um, and presumably we still have some APU trucks out there or some other ground unit that can do it. As long as you've got something that can power the airplane and then give it that initial power to get systems up and running and then start the engines, once you can do that, you're fine. It just, it just limits how autonomous the airplane can be. Like you wouldn't want to fly that airliner to an out of the way airport with no facilities and then shut down the engines and have everybody stuck on board with no air, no lights, that kind of thing. Right. right. Yeah. People, passengers don't like that. Exactly. Off offhand, you don't. Yeah, we could probably Wikipedia this, but offhand, do you know how much power, like let's say a, a 707 size jet would require? What, like I don't know what the amperage or wattage would be for a, a system that big. Boy, you know, can we uh, can we pause and then edit this while I Google it real quick and then come back sounding super smart? Sure, actually, that, yeah, would, yeah, let's, that would be amazing. Yeah, let, uh, but we'll, uh, I am totally kidding. No, um, <laughs> off the top of my head, I really don't know. It would be. You know, it would be some reasonable amount, and, and I know airliners like this generally have two electrical buses, and the APU might just be used to get power to one of them for sort of the crucial on-the-ground systems. But in terms of in terms of amps and volts off the top of my head, um, I have to admit publicly to the world, I don't know without looking it up. Yeah, I'm just looking. The only thing I have on it is I, I There's do. There's no shame at the airport minute. No, no, we're we're all we're, we're all we're all in a learning environment. So I I did find out today that it. Uh, well, I, I, I've always known that to start up a 707, you don't need electricity; you need pneumatic power. That's actually what pushes the first turbine. With kind of, it's kind of like the starter motor is, is just a lot of pressure, but it's 3,000 psi. I didn't realize it was that low. I thought that that's pretty much the contents of a uh, a scuba tank. So uh, I, I, I always thought it was like around 10,000 or something, but I'm surprised it takes that little to spin the spin the wheels. So somehow I'm picturing now Airport 2017 where we've lost an engine in flight and we've got to hoist Petroni back with a scuba tank from yeah. another airplane. <laughs> we got to lower him through the cockpit. He's you know, doing, doing the Heston. breaststroke with the uh, with the yeah. flippers on and yeah, exactly. I'd, I'd watch but in the movie. air, right? Wow. Uh, with a CGI Charlton Heston in the cockpit, yeah. of course. <laughs> yes, they did it for uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. They can do it for him. So. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, this is pretty thrilling. They've got well, they've got all the engines running, so we don't need the APU, and it drives off. I'm assuming, uh, well, they're uh, as as they're rolling. The to me, I I I know there's people that can tell a Garrett from a GE from all the other kinds of engine sounds, but to me that sounds like a, a stage stage one type uh, 707 jet noise. I didn't notice anything unusual about the sound. Um, yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. And I again, I'd have to look it up to be sure. I would assume this has you know the early JT what JT three engines. Yeah. Um, and uh, and it's interesting to me because the the lighting and everything when you when you go back to that long shot and you see the airplane starting to move across the lumber and it creaking and everything else, the lighting almost makes it look like a model. But the movement, the inertia, and everything is it's all too good. It's all too real. Yeah. 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 I, I still. It looks like a big model to me, but <laughs> right. Jim keeps telling me I'm well, wrong. Well, they they were busy faking the moon landings at the time, so that's what that was probably. Yeah, oh, that's true. This is right about that time, isn't it? So <laughs> they probably brought Kubrick over to to show us 707. <laughs> exactly. But it's it's just great seeing that that big bird 
being used as a prop. It's amazing. It's just amazing. I mean, I know they they rented it from Flying Tigers. It was a cargo plane, and then uh, they just ran that that I guess it's an LL type or maybe an Eastern type cheat line along the windows. With beautiful. Oh yeah. Except for the except for the G and the logo, it it really captures that whole 1960s early jet look. Just that you know the beautiful beautiful lines on that plane. Yeah, it really does, and it's it's cool too because this you know this movie was sort of it wasn't at the end of the 707 era, but it was kind of you know right at the end of the sort of the glory days of the 707. Mm-hmm. You know, we just launched the 747 at this point, and you know starting to fade. So it's cool to see the the 707 get to be the star. Yeah, and yeah. you know, like I, I mentioned to you guys earlier, right before we started, that really in this in this particular minute, it's the 707 that's got the best dialogue, right? Oh, With those yeah. screaming engines, that's oh, the only just thing. Just great. And watching uh, watching Petroni just notch those throttles forward. And yeah, just working that. forward, chewing on his cigar. Yeah. And they just, you know, they don't make him like that anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, you could feel the audience at the time just probably, like, leaning into their seats. They're going, come on, let's get this. Right. <laughs> kind of rock it as you're watching. <clears throat> Good. And this, this whole minute kind of underscores, you know, something I, I – talked about in one of our earlier episodes much earlier in the film that that uh one of the things i love about it the films of this era is that you know you couldn't pitch this today it's like the 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 drama we talked about you know right the hijacker the bomber and that's sort of that's almost incidental to the plot he just causes enough damage the airplane's got to come back and land the real drama is an airplane needs to land on this runway and there's another airplane stuck in the snow and that's the whole thing that this is, but you couldn't pitch that today. No, it's, or, you know, or you'd have to have like a, uh, you know, like a Ben Affleck or a Matt Damon type that, that knows every, that can do every one of these jobs and, you know, is right. a super expert on all of them. But what this is kind of showing is what a talented crew at an airport can do. I mean, these guys all have different skill sets. And, you know, although Petroni is kind of, you know, he's, he's the mechanic in charge and he kind of knows what to do from a facilities point of view even. But he's not... Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you think about it, if you're one of these guys, if you're Petroni, you know, and don't we all wish we were from time to time, but if you're Petroni or, or Mel or any, any of these, any of these guys and you're involved in this real situation where you've got this, you've got an emergency, you've got this terrible weather, you really do have to move this airplane so the other one can land safely. In real life, that's a big deal. That's a story you're going to tell, you know, forever. Boy, there was this time we had this awful storm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and to my sensibilities, that's enough. That's enough drama. That makes sense. That's a good, solid conflict to sort of hang your hat on. But now there'd be so many more explosions and there'd be oh, yeah, seven yeah. more subplots and in, uh, in the seats on the airplane, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's just, but this is just so simple and it, it's very clear what the stakes are. You know, he's got to do the job or a lot of people are going to die. And it's, right. It, it, and, and it relies on his talent and knowledge we had an earlier episode where we we're talking about that uh, petroni's license to taxi what as a i don't i don't know where that fits in like the uh, the part 135 kind of uh, spectrum where can you get a license to taxi but not fly is that is that a thing yeah it is for like specifically for a mechanic for what we call an amp an airframe airframe and power plant mechanic um it's certainly not something that we sort of come across in our private our general aviation world you know where i live but you know a case like this somebody like a real world patroni and you know they're they're out there a mechanic who knows this airplane so well um you know he in at this point in the airport series he's not he's not a pilot uh yeah. As far as we know, if I recall of any stripe, you know, I think in 
75 or 77 suddenly he's a former pilot but at this point you know he's 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 a mechanic that's what he does that's what he's good at and so he would be he would be rated he would be blessed to to be able to move the airplane on the ground under certain mm-hmm. circumstances but but it's a very sort of that's a, an endorsement that would be tied to his rating as a mechanic versus um versus anything that would be he would never do like check, flying side he wouldn't have like check taxi rides or something like that it's just something you know that's actually that's a great question um my immediate response is to sort of laugh and say no i'm sure he wouldn't then i remember you know government bureaucracy yeah, and he thinking might, he, might he, he may well drive down and how about of, the guy sitting next to him i mean what acting what skill <laughs> <laughs> you notice how he just stays sitting yeah. there the entire he, time. I think, in a word, he's stoic. Yeah, <laughs> that is that is the word for it. And I love how he's he's got both his hands on the yoke just in case. Yeah, yeah nine and three, not ten and two. Like, because what there is his real like real life in the seventies? What would his function be? Uh, that that second guy. Yeah, just probably just an observer, just an extra set of eyes. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, he for steering this airplane on the ground, you really don't have any use for the yoke whatsoever. Um, in a smaller private airplane, you steer just with the your your feet on the rudder pedals that are usually connected to a nose wheel or a tail wheel. Uh, in the case of an airliner like this, you have a tiller, much like you would on a boat that steers the nose wheel. So it's it's a matter of sort of comfort, and in certain wind conditions, you have your hand on the the yoke. Uh, if wind is blowing from a certain direction and you want to tip the controls to keep a wing from lifting up or something in a gust. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, that yoke really does nothing until you're actually flying and actually moving through the air. So it's sort of interesting to see they're kind of gripping that ready to go. <laughs> go nowhere, I guess. But, yeah. But it, the, the tiller is actually like, it's, it's like a small steering wheel thing that's on the side there on the, uh, down, down by his knees, right. isn't it? Yeah. 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 So you'd be reaching down to, to turn the nose wheel. Of course, at this point, all we care about is is getting this airplane going straight across a bunch of a bunch of wood. So yeah, I would think they would not want to turn any wheels anyway. Just yeah, rolling exactly. up. And uh, it, uh, little side note is his character, the the co-pilot there, uh, his character's name is Rolling. And uh, in the how I propose. Well, in the yeah, in the in the book, uh, uh, Petroni didn't know him, and he goes, "What's your name?" And he's like, Rolling, sir. He goes, "Well, that's why I want to get the ship going." So because <laughs> maybe <laughs> you're a you're a sign. He's a good luck charm. And, you know, I know we've we've said this before, we've talked about it before, but I dearly love that uh, Petroni's there in in real, you know, with a real TWA patch on his hat and his jacket, that not everything has to be transworldental or, you know. Yeah, Yeah, they're they're not dialing, they're not dialing 555 on the telephone. It's a real, (laughs) real life thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, where the, so the hero airlines are, are fictitious, but. You know, this is yeah. Petroni for TWA. Deal with it. <laughs> and, and, and also the fact that he works for a competing airline. But, you know, forget yeah. that. But you know, it's all hands on deck. If anything, it makes TWA look great. I mean, they've, they've obviously got the, yeah. the very capable guys, unlike those schlubs that don't know how to dig a, a plane out of the snow. Uh, exactly. TGA. Um, Trans global. Yeah. <laughs> of course, now Petroni would just, he would go to jail for smoking in the airplane. So, mm. you know, that's all over. Uh, the, the only thing that drives, that bothers me in this editing, maybe they've missed a step or something where uh, Mel jumps into the car and grabs the microphone and tells Doug back in the tower to don't commit that flight to runway 22. Well, isn't that what they had just talked about? It's like, we'll let you know when it's time to commit. We'll, we'll let you know. Um, 
But uh, yeah, yeah, Mel. Yeah, Mel, that does seem like an editing issue, doesn't it? That yeah, something pacing there that we should have you know, been closer to. We're just about to commit to two two. Yeah, on, and you know, it, and there's a little problem where they're they're watching it move forward. I mean, we're watching the seven hundred seven inch forward and keep going, and then right. Mel jumps in. To call Danny at the snow desk, it's, you know, we're, we're getting back to the next minute, but it's it's like he's telling him that this isn't working, but it's like we just saw it working. Why are you? Why stop now? It's uh, Did I lose you guys. Are you there? Can you? No, hear me? no, no. We're we're all we're oh, all here. Are you there? Are you there? Hello, Hal. Sorry, yeah. I don't know what happened there. I just uh, I just muted. Oh, okay. I didn't do anything. I disappeared. Oh, sorry. No, we heard so. we heard you, but not on this side. But anyway, we'll we'll get it. All I was all I was saying was that. Uh, we were watching. We were watching Mel move ahead with this plane. Yeah, the plane's yes. moving ahead, and he's like, "Well, this isn't working, but it, but it is working right there on the on the screen. It just didn't didn't make any sense. It didn't work all the way. Yeah, <laughs> right. He, he just wanted to tell Danny to. He, he always wanted to see a plane get chewed up by snowplows. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth eight million dollars to him. This is something to see. He should have brought his uh, Super Eight camera. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I just don't understand where he's. I, I think it's just bad editing that they they didn't think out this this section. I think they wanted they, he should have had a moving earlier. Uh, great, just a great minute. I mean, this is I, I oh, love. Really this is this is Petroni's finest hour of. Uh, I mean, we're going to see this later on in the week uh, as as he's digging his way out of this. But uh, I, and then I, let me uh, ask a question. Like, okay, once they spring the plane, I mean, he's obviously over revving that engine would there be any damage involved well it's conceivable but uh you know for the your pay mister right exactly but yeah i think a of course under the circumstances let's save the whole airplane and you know sort of damn the torpedoes or in this case the engines full speed ahead uh and then you know too it 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 really depends on how how much power he's putting in how long he's leaving it there and everything else um is the engines don't care that much. Uh, the engines themselves don't care really whether they're moving forward or not, or whether you know whether the airplane's wheels can turn or whether it can get stuck. Obviously, there's potentially some cooling issues if there's not a ton of airflow moving through them. But um, I would just chalk that up to an acceptable risk because it's either that, or as you said, the airplane gets chopped up by snowplows or merges with another 707 that lands on top of it. Yeah, that would not be that would be the least desirable outcome. So <laughs> that would be definitely. Uh, I have a question about Oshkosh. Do you get? I mean, I know there are like John Travolta owns a 707. Do you ever get any right. 707s at Oshkosh? You know, in the in recent years, uh, his is probably the only one I can recall. Um, you know, ever having been here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just, I'm trying to think because there's, you know, there's not that many of them flying. Um, <clears throat> one interesting thing, uh, if you don't mind a quick personal story as an aside, uh, back in 2007, um, when they, uh, they rolled out the, the Boeing 787, I was working at Microsoft at the time and we had kind of a partnership with Boeing on some stuff with our flight simulation software. And so I got invited uh, with a couple of colleagues to the rollout of the 787. And the night before, uh, an airport there just south of Seattle called Boeing Field, King County International Airport, they had a they had sort of a, a pre-party. And what they did to celebrate that was they flew in and then parked in a row, and you can find this image online, um, one of every one of the seven series jets. Oh, wow. wow. From the 707 to the 777, 
mm. with the idea being that the next morning you get to see the 787 for the first time. And we were all wondering. I'm sitting there, you know, we know this is going to start, and they've got the big clock mounted, and and at 7.07 p.m., a 7.07 does a low approach, mm. turns, comes and lands, comes in, shuts down, parks in a, in a line, and then they, they put every other airplane in front of or I guess behind it as they line them up. What was interesting to me, uh, number one, is I'm assuming it's got to be Travolta, right? Because it's, you yeah. know, what other 707s are flying? But it was actually, um, a lot of people would look at it and say, well, that's a KC-135, not a 707, because it's got aerial refueling gear on the back. Mm. But this is actually a private company, a private contractor, and they apparently fly in the Mideast and support presumably our military, other militaries, whatever else. So it's an actually a, a, a real contract, 707. A contract fueler. Wow. Yeah, which uh, which you think mid-air refueling, that's one of those things that not just anybody can sort of jump in and do. So it's got to be right, obviously yeah. more force crews and things. But I thought that was really fascinating that, that here's this 707, it's civilian, and then it just has the refueling stuff added onto it, the back, the, wow. now, the, the boom and everything. Did they, lined up, did they line up an MD-95 and call it a 717 or – they did, indeed. Okay. Yep, that was the seven one seven. Then they got a, I think a FedEx seven twenty seven, and then you know three four five six seven. Wow. And and it was interestingly for all the times these airplanes have been around, we figure how spread out their history is. As far as anybody knows, that had never happened before. Really? Never actually got one of each of those that series. Wow. You know, sort of in the same place at the same time. Wow. So that was a that was a real kick. If you find that picture online, there's a great aerial photo showing them all lined up. I will I will track it down and we'll put it on on uh, this episode. We'll put it out on the page just uh, for people to check it out, which is a a good way for them to visit uh, our great big site airportminute.com. Uh, exactly. Wow. Well, and this- you could look at the fence at the lower left. There's a, like a big crowd of people sort of milling behind, but I'm one of the I'm one of like three nerds in the lower left of the picture, you know, with my fingers on the chain link and my face mm. pressed through to the fence trying to get a good a even better look at all this. It was extraordinary. Uh, oh. I'm just looking at the moment to see if. Oh, excellent! Uh, very quick. While you're looking, very quickly, the the last thing they did, which I thought was really really classy, they had a big digital clock up, and so the whole thing was that you know, yep, at 707, the 707 flies by and then lands. 717, that oh, happens. Wow. So oh, then they get. I'm looking get at it now. Seven, yeah. How are you? Okay. Mm-hmm. They get to 757. Of course, the 757 comes by, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, so when the clock reaches 807. We'll see the 767, right? Because there is no 767 yeah. on the clock. They had actually ad- adapted the clock. So this big digital clock showing the current time mm. read 767 <laughs> and then 768 and stuff on up to 777 o'clock when the uh, 777 landed. I thought, you know, some some guy somewhere, you know, probably in the, in the, in the middle of Boeing <laughs> had that idea, figured out how to do it, you know, made that happen and and that guy's my hero what a wonderful little attention to detail that wow. was and i'm just looking at the aerial pictures of this I, I see they even have like a they have a steerman and they have a couple of other older ones in the in the uh, also in the line not directly on the lineup but it looks oh, like oh sure yeah everything yeah, that had the word boeing on it somewhere in. was a <laughs> right wow when that's right out in front of the museum of flight in seattle too which of course oh okay yeah it's supported a lot by boeing it's not it's not owned by Boeing, but they support it rather heavily, and it showcases a lot of Boeing history. Yeah, and it, they, it's a great, great place to visit when you're out there. They wound up with NASA 905, right? Didn't they? Uh, yes, they did. The, yep. the shuttle, the shuttle <laughs> carrier, the big 747. Yeah. Um, but gorgeous planes. Uh, and you know, again, it this movie 
more than anything else, it's really it's a love letter about flying. I mean, it's it's so much people in love with commercial aircraft. This is this is the movie for them. It really and, is. Um, just being able to you know just being able to see all these great th- great things going on with the technical aspects of it are fantastic. Mark and I just watched uh, or rewatched um, Zero Hour. Oh with, yes. Uh, Dana Andrews and uh, yep. it's a <laughs> it's it's a it's a Douglas plane, but uh, uh, it doesn't really. I, I, I don't think it really it brings out the the love of aircraft like this one does. No, it really it really doesn't. But of, of course, it, you can't watch Zero Hour with a straight face. Now, no, no, no. It's all it's you know. All we all know it. We all know it from airplane. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, Jim uh, schooled me on that. I thought yeah. after seeing Airport, I'm like, oh, this is the basis for Airplane, but apparently it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, but well, there's, yeah. Cer- there's certainly pieces of it, but yeah, yeah Zero yeah. Hour. It's just yeah. it's almost it's like yeah. uh, the, the guy's name Striker, so. It's- <laughs> Right, yeah, you can't get much closer than that. It's like yeah. Failsafe and uh, Doctor Strangelove have yeah. kind of the same, yeah, uh, the same relationship. Major Bat Guano, he's a yeah. friend of mine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But you know, it, it's funny you talk about this movie being kind of a love letter to the airliner and things, and it really is. And there's something about the tone of it that this doesn't feel like a movie that's. I don't know if this is going to make any sense or not, but it doesn't feel like a film that's almost a '70s movie. This is to me very squarely like one of the last of the '60s movies. Yeah, or maybe even one of the sure. '40s movies. I mean, it's it, well, it yeah, really... it's even got the '40s or '50s tone to it. It's, it's really got a holdover tone. Like it was, it wasn't. It, you know, we look back on it, it's one of the first of the modern disaster movies, but yeah. the tone and the approach really has more of that great classic. Yeah, that twelve know, o'clock high feeling about it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's almost like it's almost like a, a, a World War II movie without the war. And right, you know, exactly. really, this this might as well be a, a B seventeen or something that they're coming back on, but uh, you know, it, and it's still every time I turn it on, I keep thinking I'm, I'm going to be sick of this movie. But every time I turn it on, I watch it and I say to myself, this, you know, it it, it still drags you in, and you got you got to watch it to the end. So, and we've only got yeah, we've absolutely. only got about another fifteen minutes of this, so it's uh, wow, it's definitely worth worth watching the the, uh, the last fifteen. But uh, Hal, thanks so much for being on on the show with us, and looking forward to uh, to our venture together with the Rocketeer Minute coming up in April. So Absolutely, I cannot wait. People will be joining us on that. Uh, but uh, for people still listening to to our particular uh, podcast here, you've still got a chance to uh, to check in with us on all kinds of social media: Twitter, Airport Minute, uh, Facebook, the Airport Minute uh, Facebook site, and also the Commanders Club, where we get into the back and forth on this stuff. Uh, also, check us out again on the big site, airportminute.com, where we'll have that uh, that lined up Boeing 7 Series uh, pictures. So check that out. Uh, and while well, you still have time, you can go into iTunes and subscribe at Airport Minute and uh, get this delivered to you Monday through Friday. Well, there's still Monday through Fridays left to, left to listen to. Yeah, we will return tomorrow and watch some more exciting Petroni moments. This is He, Sh- he Shines this week. So join us here join us here tomorrow on the airport minute thanks again Hal take care until next time we'll see you you all later alright my pleasure thanks guys okay thanks everybody good day nice going sweetheart remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling